Hello everyone and welcome to episode 28 of Marking the Roll. Today's episode is called The Curriculum, Ideology and Politics in the Classroom. We don't look at how things are being taught, but we're actually going to have a look at what students are being taught and what you as teachers are being asked to teach. Um, Now, I I look back when I was teaching and I don't want to romanticise it because I know that we didn't do everything well at all. Some things I know I did very badly and maths was my real nemesis. But um, we never actually drilled in ideology and political belief to the students. It we just it just didn't happen. But now it seems that um, ideology and belief systems um, and even politics is um, being taught to students. We know that in Australia we have the voice vote coming up, and I think that all of the departments have chosen to um, back the yes vote. Now I'm not sure whether they're going to be giving equal to to no. I'm really unsure of the whole thing. But I know that teachers have to teach certain aspects of history which they may not agree with. They have to teach certain aspects of gender behaviour which they may not agree with. And I had a voicemail left during the week. uh, And I'm going to say it's from Kerry. That's not her real name. And as you'll hear, her message has been changed using artificial intelligence. Um, She doesn't complain that much about the departments, but she's certainly having something to say about the union. I've been a primary teacher in New South Wales for 16 years. I realise that the curriculum is skewed at times, but I also know whoever pays the piper, names the tune. Most of us just add bits and pieces to even out the politically correct stuff. I've also been a Teachers' Federation member for 16 years, and have gone on strike with the best of them. I'm now horrified to see that the Federation is urging teachers to recognise Transgender Day and even include the Stonewall riots in their history lessons. The Federation also has a library of 191 LGBTQI books that teachers can borrow for their class, even if the school refuses to have them in their library. Some of the books have been banned for schools in the UK and USA. I can tolerate being told what to teach by those who pay me, but to be preached to, by my union is too much. I will not be including any of this in my programs. Now, this podcast has supported the New South Wales Teachers Federation in most things, not with all things. I've even interviewed Henry Regendra, the Vice President of the Federation. Um, Really nice guy. I thought I'd fact check what uh, Kerry uh, said. And yes, there are those resources um, on the Federation site. Um, And yes, I did check on one of the books that seemingly had been banned, Um, but I can't say for the rest of them. There's a lot of them there. Um, But it does seem that from all directions, from the departments, from the federations, from minority activist groups, there is pressure for teachers to teach certain political ideas and certain ideologies some of which they may disagree with, Um, not just uh, the politics, um, but perhaps even gender identity stuff, which I know teachers um, have to teach about. But many teachers believe that this 
uh, sort of teaching belongs in the home. To find out more about all this and what can be done and if there is any, any checks and balances, I spoke to Colleen Harkin. Colleen is a research fellow at the Institute of Public Affairs. She's the National Manager of Class Action Programs. So she deals directly with teachers and schools about programs that can ensure balance in in certain curriculums, like the history curriculum. And I started up by asking her what I always ask of my guests, um, to tell us about her education and teaching history. Um, Phil, I have a master's degree in education and a bachelor of education and a grad dip in high incidence learning difficulties and a diploma of teaching is what I first started out with, which was the original uh, teaching qualification of the day. It was a three-year course. I believe that's now four. Uh, But yeah, sort of lots of, you know, stacks on the mill in terms of education qualifications. Okay. And you look after the class action resources for the Institute of Public Affairs. What exactly are they? I do. The class action program is uh, an outreach program to parents and teachers where we are writing and providing balanced curriculum uh, on subjects mostly in the history, civics and citizenship uh, subject areas, primary and secondary school, to provide teachers with some resources that uh, provide a more sort of, you know, balanced and optimistic perspective of our country and, uh, and where we've been and how we came to be here. So when you say a more balanced perspective, what is the other perspective that you're trying to balance? Well, we've done a, uh, a, a full review of the national curriculum and your listeners can find that on the Institute of Public Affairs website. It's under our research papers and it's called De-Educating Australia. Uh, so we've done a full audit of the entire version nine of the national curriculum that's being rolled out around the country. And it is uh, really comprehensive and unrelenting indoctrination. Uh, The the curriculum has what they call these cross-curriculum priorities, which is sustainability and uh, Indigenous and Torres Strait Islanders histories and cultures. Uh, And every subject at every year level uh, is taught through the prism of those priorities. So the result of that means that um, instead of you know, what education being, you know, a system based of knowledge and facts um, it is entirely underpinned and ideologically driven. So that means that in some areas, for example, um, in history, the, the students are taught that really Australia, you know, was founded on white supremacy and oppression and that, you know, that we are a systemically racist country and but. Aboriginal Australians, for example, by virtue of their race, are oppressed. And these sorts of, you know, um, underlying themes run right through the curriculum, all the way through. So our, our intention... Do, do, they, do they go as far as to call it Invasion Day, Australia Day? They do. And so grade four is oh. when the children start to learn about the First Fleet. Uh, but that comes after grade three, where they are taught the concept of invasion. Um, and they're also sort of, uh, you know, result, it talks about dispossession, massacres and genocide. And that they're basically indoctrinated to this, you know, thinking that this is not a country that, you know, that we can be proud of. And it starts very early in the curriculum. 
Gee, no wonder the kids are depressed. So some important aspects of Australian history, for example, what happened to uh, the convicts after they were let out of their, their sentence, is being left out due to ideological reasons, do you think? Uh, entirely. So uh, Australian history is compulsory for Year 9 students, which is a great thing, but it neglects to mention Captain Cook at all. Captain Cook only gets mentioned once by name in the entire national curriculum, and that's for Grade 4 students. And after, as I've already said, they learn of a concept of invasion. So I don't know how you can learn Australian history without having a good understanding of Captain Cook and who he was and what he did um, and the capabilities that he had. So, uh, you know, it, it is very much a, um unbalanced view of our history. Some people call it a black-armed uh, view of our history. And it yeah. is, you know, it, 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 they are definitely taught that, um, you know, colonisation was an invasion and that uh, it resulted in dispossession, massacres, genocide, um, you know, and there's nothing to be proud of there. If we take one of the resources, say the one you mentioned, which is Captain James Cook, brilliant navigator and intrepid traveller or destructive coloniser. So what are some of the, what's it, what's it about? What, 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 what are some key points from it? So that's a recent uh, lesson plan unit that we've launched and it takes students through, uh, you know, of the times, what was happening in the times, what were... Um, contemporaneous explorers doing what was known about um, you know the land down under at the time what was the relationship between England and France so that students have some kind of understanding of and and it happened this happens very quickly like you know this is a unit that is um, uh, you know like 101 Australian history if you know what I mean it, it's not yeah. um, deep and you know it interrogates everything with great detail the idea of this is if they never hear of Captain Cook again they at least have a good understanding without um, you know laboring it too much but they, so they they walk through you know how did how did it come to be that he was even uh, exploring this neck of the woods so to speak Um what were his skill sets? What what was his view of the Aboriginal people? What did he say about it? Um, and it gives them, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly in short short term. And it walks them through the scenario to sort of say, well, in more recent times, he's seen as a coloniser. Was he even a coloniser? Like he was actually dead before the first fleet arrived. And it, it gives them the, the information that they can make up their own mind um, as to what was he a brilliant navigator or an intrepid traveller or a destructive coloniser, uh, armed with the facts. And so they really don't get that level of information anywhere else. And what about Captain Arthur Phillip? How's he treated? Uh, pretty much not at all. <laughs> Similarly, uh, our, our Australian history is pretty much uh, ghosted uh, in in the in the current curriculum. It ha because everything is viewed bet uh, through the prism of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders' perspectives. The you know the Western civilization influences um, good uh, good and bad uh, achievements are really sort of. Um, quarantines uh, quite significantly out of the curriculum. 
So you're not actually saying that this should replace any of the ideology about, um, you know, the Indigenous, but this should be in addition to that. So they should be actually teaching both both views, well, in other words. Well, the challenge here is that the, the representation of the Indigenous community at the time is very romantic, you know, um, living in utopia, nothing was ever a problem. Yeah, until never any fighting. Yeah, until what you know, the infanticide. There, there's, uh, there is no reflection at all of anything other than a perfect community, until white man came along and destroyed it all. That's the sort of overriding tone. Now, obviously, history can be pretty ugly, so there's no um, intention to whitewash any of the problems, uh, or any of the the you know things that that, that are not to be proud of, but. By the same token, there is an enormous amount to be grateful and proud of um, and that the students need to learn it all. There's, there is no value in having such a biased perspective of our history. No. Um, my great-great-great-great-grandfather kept, um, carried Captain Arthur Philip ashore on his shoulders so um, Philip didn't get his legs wet. Uh, well, as a convict, he was chosen to do that because he was... Well, I don't know why he was, but he was. Um, and, um, you know, there's been books written about um, Henry Cable and, and um, you know, it is, it's a great part of our family's history. And I, I would hate to see anything like that taken away from the majority of Australians. Well, we just actually, as we speak, are launching a very quick unit for students on just 10 significant uh, achievements in Australian history, and uh, you mentioned Cable, and that's one of them. Um, really, Henry Cable. Yeah, the j just a very quick understanding for students to say this is the basis of our law that even convicts ha were considered uh, equal citizens with equal rights under law. One, you know, one rule for everybody. Uh, now that's a very foundational. Um, perspective and you know the way our country developed and you know even the convicts are sort of a lot of people don't know that they did have the same rights under law yeah. and that how we've developed as as a society is actually really impressive we've got a lot to be proud of uh, women you know the earliest in the world for the women to have the right to vote um, you know, there's lots of things. And so that's a, a, a 10 sort of lesson scenario for students to go through and learn, you know, quickly 101. What are some great things about Australia? Because the curriculum is so negative, so negative. It's so, yeah, it's so unbalanced. Um, now, have you had much pushback by activists or um, just ideological parents? No, not really. Um, we, As our resources get out, they grow in demand. Uh, people sort of, and it's growing organically with people finding out that they exist. Uh, we've, you know, we've had a few that haven't been too, you know, associations that haven't been too helpful in getting them out there. But, you know, for the most part, it, it is growing organically and people are picking them up, knowing that, you know, finding out that they're there and going off, you know, this is terrific. Thank you. And so teachers are on side with them. Yes, we actually, uh, and again, it's an organically growing thing about making contact with teachers and getting them out there. The work that we're doing, just to put it into context, we are able to cite the um, national curriculum markers that say that this is where this complies with the national curriculum. So we're not asking any teachers to 
uh, you know, move away from the professional responsibilities of their job. We just find we have found the areas where uh, it talks about, for example, um, you know, parts of our history where we can say, well, this isn't covered and this is the skill set that the national curriculum refers to and here's how we can fit it in. So it does, it lists the the requirements that the teacher has to tick the box for. It's compliance with the national curriculum. It just happens to not be in there at the moment in terms of content. Marking the role is supported entirely through subscribers and donors. We are the only podcast for teachers in Australia that confronts the difficult topics in education, topics others won't touch. Your subscription will ensure we can keep looking at the big issues. The cost of $35 per year gives you two subscriber-only podcasts, a Marking the Roll coffee cup and the option to ask questions of our guests. Just go to Substack and search for Marking the Roll. The link is also on the episode notes wherever you get your podcasts. So, look, on watching the coronation on the weekend, um, I was horrified to hear the ABC commentators not describing the celebration, but making anti-royal comments um, and denigrating the event. Now, I'm just going to play a few uh, for you you and the listeners. An institution that's perpetrated colonisation all around the world at the expense of First Nations peoples and people of colour. Because the symbol of that crown represented the invasion, the theft of land, and in our case, the exterminating war, which next year will mark 200 years. So many of our beautiful multicultural communities have also suffered, you know, under this exact, you know, a colonisation process and the like. Now, this is this is an exact opposition to the history um, that um, that you're talking about. It is our real history that you're trying to communicate. How do you feel when you hear things like this? Well, Phil, I was watching the coronation um, on a commercial television station and I can't tell you the amount of people I was getting texts from saying that they started watching it on the ABC and they were turning it off, uh, changing channels because it was you know, so objectionable. Uh, so I didn't see the ABC coverage, but I have heard a lot about it and um, formal complaints apparently are being made to the authorities, um, you know, totally inappropriate. And again, it comes to the issue of balance. Um, you know, it, I, I was in awe of the occasion personally. I thought it was, uh, you know, outstanding mm. uh, and impressive in, in its, you know, the, the traditions and the um, the solemnness of it all. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, but it goes to the issue of this myopic and um, aggressively one-sided view of the world. So, and, you know, in my role of um, education, when you're, when you're talking about these things, there, is, there needs to be a balance in everything, you know. Uh, and to, in my view, it certainly wasn't the time or place to be having that kind of conversation on the taxpayer's dollar. Certainly not the place for it. I mean, there is... It was a place of celebration. It was a time of celebration, and, and in some ways, you left you were left feeling let down and, and muddied by their broadcast. Yeah, well, you know, change channels. I don't support yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's that's the ultimate is is remembering that we actually do have power in in these things. And uh, my understanding is the statistics of people who turned off the ABC was was incredibly yeah, high. Yeah, that's right. Well, they, they've lost all of their listeners for ABC Radio Breakfast. 
um, that has plummeted across the nation. So people are really voting with their dials. Mm. Um, is there a case, do you think, for a teacher promoting one side of politics or one side of an ideological argument in a classroom? Is there is there ever a case for that? Uh, no. Not, uh, it, 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 if I take that question on face value, uh, the role of an educator is to educate, not to indoctrinate. And the only time I could ever think that you might present one case is if there has been something very strongly already given to them uh, that you are then trying to balance. So, And I'll give you an example of that, where in the upcoming referendum uh, on The Voice, schools are only receiving information on the Yes campaign. So they're receiving taxpayer-funded and union-funded uh, speakers and uh, curriculum resources. So in that situation, I think it would be appropriate for somebody to say, well, hang on, I will balance that and just give you the no case on the basis that you are already being you know, promoted, the, the yes case. Uh, but as a, um, a proper answer to your question, no. The, the place of education is to give students the skill set to be able to make up their own mind. Yeah, and, and by by doing that, you have to present both sides, really, so that the student can make up their own mind and, and discuss it, you know, in an informed manner. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, that's the whole, uh, the whole point of being a, a good educator is that you present the information in a, in a way that engages the students and you can have open and critical conversation, which means that all facets of every situation can be freely and openly discussed uh, and quite often if, if you know if you do that well I mean you know yourself amongst conversations with adults as you learn from other people and you can quite often change your perspective on things through that um, iterative knowledge gain so but the idea of only presenting one um, ideology or one view of the world is is simply indoctrination it's interesting you, you say that because I was having a discussion with Professor Diana Kenny um, about um, how young people are reacting to viewpoints that they disagree with and their reactions overwhelming are, overwhelmingly are an emotional, complete denial and cancellation of the person so that rather than try and understand an argument which is perhaps what you is what you and I were taught to do, and to listen to it, they won't listen to it, and they immediately cancel that person. So I think it's it's um, it's a pretty difficult job that um, that we've got. Well, it's it's a it's a lack of skill set that that um, because if you have if you have the capability of constructing a an argument and a position on anything. That's why debating has always been a, a good skill for students to be taught. Absolutely. Yeah. To take somebody else's point of view, um, whether you believe it or not, and to be able to present the case, it forces you to see the, the, the world from somebody else's perspective. And, and you may not agree with it, but at least you start to um, have some kind of understanding of it. Yeah. So if you're only ever receiving one side of, of any argument, you by nature become extreme in, in your position because you mm. don't know and you've, you have no opportunity to explore an alternative. 
So it's it's a total lack of skill set. It's also uh, quite stressful, really, if you if you only have one view of the world. Uh, that becomes quite intense if you if you've never had the opportunity to explore other boundaries. Um, and I sort of you know students who the, the mental health illnesses amongst teenagers is, uh, and the the growth in that is well documented. Uh, and I I would suggest that it's because we have pushed for down their throats uh, enormous amounts of negativity that, you know, we're bad people with a bad past, the world's going to implode unless they do something soon, um, and it's one-sided view. There is no balance to it. There is no yeah. sort of other side of the coin to give them optimism and hope and gratefulness. So what can parents do about this? I mean, can a parent print out the, your your programs and take them to the school or the teacher if they feel there's a lack of balance in their child's lessons? Oh, I would I would love them to. So our resources can be found at class-action.org.au uh, and they're freely available. Um, there's sort of different lessons on, and, and just so your listeners know, we are developing and uploading them as we go. So we'll just keep adding as different topics come up. Um, but yes, and, and as I said earlier, the resources cite the national curriculum. So we're not ever asking a teacher to, you know, step outside the boundaries of their professional responsibilities. Uh, but parents and teachers can readily download any lesson that they'd like. Colleen, there's going to be some teachers out there who say, look, bugger this, I'm having trouble getting my existing content into my day-to-day work with my class. That's a pretty understandable attitude, isn't it? They have a very difficult gig and uh, there's a lot of negativity and and, uh, public commentary about teachers and the education system and and I just want to have a shout-out, give a shout-out to those teachers because... They're doing what they have to do. Um, you know, no one expects, or and we certainly don't at the IPA, ever expect a teacher to step outside their professional obligations and implement the curriculum that they're, um, you know, legally obliged to do so. Um, so, and, you know, and any teachers out there who are listening to your podcast, I'm, I'm very, very keen to hear from them at any time they can find me at the IPA. Okay, so teachers can call you. I'm at the Institute of Public Affairs. These resources, so so they're free for teachers. They'd also be free for parents, I guess. If some parents feel that the school is, is letting them down, letting their students down by not giving them balance, the parents could actually teach it at home. Absolutely. We, we have a lot of people who download our material who are homeschool parents. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, and we've had uh, grandparents who download them. To do, you know, because they're interested in making sure that their grandchildren have an understanding of history that they don't think that the school is is covering properly. Um, they're very simply set out. The, the teacher resource is a, a pretty dry document that says step one, step two, step three. It walks people exactly what to do. Uh, it has worksheets to show what the students will do. Some of them have got little videos to go with them or PowerPoint presentations to back it up. Uh, they're pretty simple resources for anybody to use. That's that's look great. Look, I'll put a link on uh, the episode notes so that teachers can just go in and click on that. It'll go straight to it. Marking the Roll is supported entirely by subscribers and donors. It is a volunteer-run podcast and not even the host is paid. 
Subscription helps with transcript costs, podcast fees and even the artificial intelligence voices like me used for teacher comments and ads like this. To support the podcast, please go to Substack, search for Marking the Role and subscribe, upgrade or donate. Your contribution really helps. Thanks for listening. Yeah, well, those artificial intelligence voices are okay, but I think they can still be improved a bit. Now, um, Colleen, you cover history and perhaps law and, and parliamentary procedure, yet there's an emerging need for similar resources in science. Now, I had a, a message from a teacher in Victoria, I'm not going to say the region, and uh, she said that one teacher at her school uh, has taught her year six class that sex is non-binary and that sex can change. Now, this, this teacher said she went to the principal and complained to the principal that, you know, her colleague was doing this and was told that, oh, look, you know, I'm bombarded by work and I'll, and I'll get to it. I'll get to it sometime. So what we're getting is like, instead of a, a black armband version of, of, of science, we're getting a rainbow armband or a purple armband version of science to match this version of history. Is the IPA looking at broadening this range of resources? So at the moment, our sort of focus has been history, civics and citizenship, but um, I, I do get a lot of parents um, expressing concern about some of the broader issues that their children are being exposed to. Um, we do. We have had suggestions. Um, we actually have had, we've got a, uh, one on um, Coons theory, which is beyond me, to be honest, but, that we're working on. But uh, Darwin's theory, has Charles Darwin's, um, theories have also been suggested. Uh, you know, they're all sort of uh, works that are potentially in the pro- in in the pipeline that we'll have a look at. But um, yeah, we do get suggestions from time to time. And if I could just say, you know, the overriding thing that to say to parents is, you're the parent. You are responsible for your child, and never let the school take over that role. So. That means, uh, you know, there'll be increasingly plenty of times where, you know, saying to your child, that's not what our family values. That's not what we want you to be doing. Or, you know, having those constant conversations with your child, uh, teaching them your values, your attitudes, because for a long time, bit by bit, schools have taken over the place of parenting. Now, you know, Decades ago, it started fairly um, sort of innocently and it seemed like, you know, helpful ideas that school would take over teaching your kid to swim or ride a bike or, you know, go to England to play cricket or whatever it was. But it it has become that uh, school is the be all and end all. And parents often, you know, everybody's busy. I understand that. But acquiesce to allow school to take such a powerful role in their child's life. And I would strongly encourage parents to be that nosy Parker parent who's always knowing what's going on with their child and what, you know, attitudes or comments are being made. And, yeah, you know, talk to the school about it and not accept it. Uh, Colleen, there was a voice grab at the start of this episode from a teacher, Kerry, who didn't mind having to teach certain things that, that the department said that she had to do. But she drew the line when it came to um, the union. 
telling her what she should teach. Um, and she, she was listing a couple of things that she disagreed with. Um, so it seems that if the department is not telling you, um, as a teacher, the ideology that you should be teaching, well, the union is. And I think the union has just recently, I could be wrong, come out um, in favour of the voice vote and expecting all teachers to, to follow suit. But what I've heard is that the teachers' union are, have, well, they have made a statement that they're supporting the yes. Now, even in that, I mean, the union doesn't and ought not to be able to speak for every single teacher. That, that, that should not be a situation where they can tell the world how me as a teacher thinks. No, no, that's, that's exactly right. But um, individuals... Um, some, I believe, are scared to actually say what they actually think because, as you mentioned before, you'll be labelled a racist and you actually, you know, it's actually dividing society and I'm very concerned about what the outcome could be. Uh, it's a very common thing that I hear, particularly in the role that I have here at the IPA. I, I get loads of emails from parents and grandparents saying thank you you know, so glad that somebody's bringing, you know, a, a shining a light on some of these issues because I can't do it. I can't say that out loud. So we have a, a situation in community where people are genuinely uh, concerned and too afraid to say what they think for fear of being labelled, particularly a racist or a bigot or a homophobe or any kind of phobe that you want, uh, and it just shuts down the conversation. It's a very easy way to stop people from speaking. Colleen, do you think that with all this ideology creeping into nearly every area of the curriculum, it's actually dumbing down the content, that it's actually making for a, a, a dumber society? Phil, I've mentioned the cross-curriculum priorities. Now, in addition to undermining national pride and optimism about you know our, our country, these cross-curriculum priorities um, pollute subject matter and, um, you know, there's a lack of integrity in uh, academic integrity in the subject content. Now, the harm of that is that, um, you know, our academic standards have uh, been reducing at the rate of knots, really. The OECD PISA, which is the Program for International Student Assessment, has shown that Australian students... The average 15-year-old is more than a year behind where the average 15-year-old was in the year 2000, uh, and that's in maths and science and reading. So in addition to the sort of the cultural issues, uh, we also have you know, blatant results that show our academic standards are affected as well. Colleen, I, I think most teachers would agree that the curriculum as it stands is fairly imbalanced. What could the Federal Minister for Education do to restore the balance? Look, if I was the Minister for Education, um, I would be uh, removing these cross-curriculum priorities and restoring integrity to the subject matter completely. I would remove them. And I would also introduce a dedicated subject in Year 9 of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders' Histories and Cultures and have it as a year-long a dedicated subject and so to return integrity to all of the other subjects and not the push of the ideology.
And you were listening to Colleen Harkin, Research Fellow for the Institute of Public Affairs and the head of the Class Action Programs. The Class Action Programs are really just resources for teachers to help balance out the national curriculum a little bit more. And you can contact Colleen by just emailing her at charkin, C-H-A-R-K-I-N, at ipa.org.au. I'll put all these links to on the Substack uh, Marking the Roll page. And I'll also put links to where teachers can access for free all of those uh, unit outlines. Uh, And also, Colleen has regular meetings for teachers in Melbourne. I know it doesn't help anyone who lives in Perth and and Darwin, but um, perhaps email her and uh, find out if you live in Melbourne where those meetings are going to be and go along and have your say. The Institute of Public Affairs costs around about $100 a year to become a member, but there's a special deal for listeners where you can get a membership for $55. Uh, remember, those resources are free, though. You don't have to be a member for that, but 55 bucks if you want to be a member, and I'll put the link also on the Substack Marking the Roll page. Okay, so you've been listening to Marking the Roll, episode 28, all about politics and ideology in the classroom. I know episode 29 was supposed to be on Generation uh, Alpha and teaching Generation Z, but um, I was sick last week and and, uh, had to have some time off. So we'll have one less episode for this term. Um, Next episode will be on the Michaela School in uh, the UK. And uh, in a few days' time, Lee and I... Uh, leave to go over to the UK and go to the Michaela School and speak to Catherine Purblesing, the principal of the Michaela School. Now, if you don't, um, if you're not familiar with the Michaela School, it is a free school. So, a free school it does not come under the auspices of, of government schools, um, but it has fantastic reviews from teachers, um, from parents, and from students. So. Um, We'll be going to the Michaela School, which has very strict discipline policies, very big uh, accountability um, expectations from the students, but also incredibly happy students and successful ones. So we'll be going there. And then we're having a holiday. We haven't had a holiday for probably seven years. So um, we're going to be off down through Germany and finish off uh, in Budapest. Marking the Roll is only um, funded by by donors and subscribers, and I really do urge you to uh, help us keep going by becoming a subscriber at $35 for the year. Or there's a discount also if two of you join. So if two of you join, you get it for far less, I think. So it really does help us out, and I urge you to uh, join us. It's far less than episodes of Netflix, far less. Uh, my name's Phil Dye. Um, and uh, I'll see you in about a week and a half uh, coming to you from the Michaela School in London. See you then. <laughs>